Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode by Silvari. On today's podcast, we have my dad. My dad is a pastor. People call him Pastor John, but I'll be calling him dad. Um, I'd like to have him on the show because I just really would like to gain a lot of his perspective. Um, he's got his master's in counseling. He's been a pastor for quite some time. I think he's got a lot of uh, perspective and advice that we could really gain from his experience. So, dad, how long have you been a pastor? Uh, officially, I've been a pastor since uh, 2003. I've been in ministry since uh, 1979. Yep. So I've been in it for a while. Right. So what what got you into it in the first place? Um, uh, as you know, I had a pretty rough life as a teenager, young adult. Uh, I got saved. Um, I was going to go into uh, drug and alcohol counseling, but got in a different idea. Basically, I would say I felt a call for the spirit to be involved in an organization called Youth for Christ, worked with inner city kids, adjudicated kids, uh, first in uh, Nashville, Tennessee, then in uh, Sarasota, Florida, where I met your mom. She's a volunteer of mine. And uh, I had been going to church up where I'm now pastor off and on in a couple of summers. And uh God moved me from Youth for Christ in Florida back up here, and we've been here since uh, 94. Mm-hmm. The year I was born, best year you were born. Really easy to re- remember your birth, how your birthday, and how long I've been here. So, uh-huh. uh, yeah, so that's kind of a brief it. summary. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, something I wanted to talk about is uh, Youth for Christ. So, what have you gained experience wise from Youth for Christ, and why did you get into Youth for Christ? Why did you feel like God led you there? Um, uh, well, uh, the first thing I'm going to say is I learned a lot myself, a lot about myself, a lot about God. Um, I ended, I, I actually worked in a, a, a branch of Youth for Christ that would work with troubled youth, adjudicated inner city kids, or, um, you know, what they used to call delinquent kids. Um, and so, uh, I ended up working in the inner city of Nashville, uh, for a while, um, that was a real eye-opening experience. It was a great experience for me. Um, uh, really uh, learned a lot about about the black culture. I'm no expert on it, but it was it was really good. It was really good for me. Challenged a lot of things. Um, and then uh, when I went to Sarasota, Florida, I ended up working within the uh, the system. I used to do a, a, a ministry to uh, in the juvenile detention center. And then I get kids reported to me, and uh, I had um, inner city kids, and we all kind of worked together. And um, it, you know, it God used it to really expand my horizons. And um, you know, you kind of you think you know what Christianity is, and um, and then you kind of find it's got a. It, here's what I want to say. Um, you know, sometimes it, it, we make it a part of our culture, mm-hmm. and it's bigger than our culture. Mm. And, yeah, I, um, yeah, I totally agree with that. Yeah, you know, so um, it, it really challenged me in that way. And um, uh, not that I've, you would know this more than anybody, I, I've, I've not watered down my belief system, but it's like, how does this apply here? And how do I reach, you know, this people group and that kind of stuff? And it, it was, it was, um, so God used that to not only train me and challenge me, and he also used me in the lives of some people. Um, I, saw, I saw God change some lives, and that was really very, very encouraging. Yeah, for sure. I think that's why you do it. Um, so I know you haven't been doing it recently because of COVID restrictions, but you do still go to the prisoner correction office or building, and you help uh, older people. But you did earlier in your career help younger troubled youth do you see a correlation between the older people that are incarcerated that are incarcerated and a connection between you know what you used to handle with you for christ yeah i um foundation is important and and if you don't you know get that foundation if you're missing something in that foundation family or whatever community um uh you know uh in your formative years, parenting is a huge deal, how your parents treat you or not treat you. Um, and so I see a lot of guys in prison. They didn't get they didn't get that. OK. And, um, you know, even on the street, when I was working with kids on the street, um, 
uh, I could see that, you know, you can do so much, you know, Christ can do wonderful things, but it's really good to be able to have a community of people that'll stand with you and behind you and, and guide you and teach you. So I think if you have those components, you know, maybe you can't have both parents, but if you can find people, a group of people or a community of people that help you in your belief system and are willing to be honest with you about, um, you know, if you're off a little bit, you know, you know, at least be honest enough in a loving way to confront you and say, Hey, you know, what are you doing here? You know, and where are you going to go with this? And mm -hmm. so um, I see a lot of that. I see a lot of guys, they actually say this, which I, it was surprising when they first started working with guys in prison. They're actually grateful to God that they ended up in prison. Okay. Yeah. Because that's where they came to Christ and da, 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 you know, okay. And I, I was actually surprised. And you wanna, um, you, This is a little off topic, but not really. So I was reading um, this book yesterday and it had a crazy stat that felons in prison actually have more choices than teenagers in our Western culture. Yeah. Yeah, which is kind of crazy. So, I mean, to think of it, you think they have less free choice, but actually they have more choices. Right, right, right. Which, which yeah, probably didn't what they had on the street. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so, yeah, so I can see, and, you know, you're held accountable in prison. And, stuff. and yeah. like, so the good things about prison, I'm not saying it's a good thing, but there are silver linings. When prison is done correctly, it's supposed right. to rehabilitate you. Right. That's why you're I, there. Yeah, I think it's, again, I... It, Pretty much it's kind of up to the individual. I mean, if you're just going to sit there and do time, you know, and not, not take advantage of some things and not, you know, it, or if it's not all you're doing. It's you're going to do your time until you go get out and do the, what you used to do when you got back in. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a waste. But there's guys, and I, I got a chance to work with them. They, they want to change. They, wanna, they don't want to go back out there and come back in. They don't, they don't want to be a, a statistic. Mm -hmm. and and i see that with anybody whether on the outside or on the inside you know if if um if you have the motivation to change if you want to i mean god can't help you if you don't want to do do anything you know there's his partners our part so i think it's pretty much up to the individual to to decide you know where or what they want to do with their life again i'm not ruling god out of this but you know god is limited by our free will so yeah yeah, I'll just throw that out there. Right. And well, I think from one of my favorite days growing up, going to church is when the prisoners did come to church <laughs> yeah. once a month. And yeah. uh, it was cool to see them because they were so happy to be there. And you could tell that there was a transformation there. Yeah. And so when they do make that free choice, you really see that free choice enabled and in, and in, in how much it matters to them and that they found almost like the light at the end of the tunnel because what they were used to was so foreign right and then what they were what they were taught you know through you and through other people within you know the system has really benefited them yeah. um but i do know and this is where my next question is going to lead to they were almost afraid to get out because they would be tempted by the old life so do you have any advice on that like what would you tell those guys because i know they related that to you a lot yeah, so, um, you know, I kind of alluded to it before. Um, uh, some guys that I've worked with have been in, they had a mandatory 25 to 30. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's what they know. I mean, they may have got in there at 16, 17 years old. Um, and, and so they're, they're concerned, you know, what am I going to do? And we talk about this stuff because you got to, Okay. You know, you may go, you may try to get a job. You may try to get three or four jobs and they look at it and they go felon. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's like, well, I don't want a felon working for me. And to try to encourage them again, you got God working with you. So God can open doors that normally just by yourself, they wouldn't open. So I, again, you know, find a church or if you had a church, you know, find people that are going to support you and, and, and encourage you. And don't give up just because a few doors get closed, okay? Mm -hmm. And don't go back to the easy way, because if you go back to that way, sooner or later you're gonna you're gonna come back. And right. so we talk a lot about that. And um, and I I've a lot of guys that I've worked with, I haven't seen them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I I get letters from them and uh, cards and stuff like. Well, you know that. So yeah. 
most of the guys that have been able to work with, uh, they haven't come back, you right. know, back into the system. As, right, which is a good thing. Yeah, let our audience yeah. know that that's a good thing. But uh, yeah. Yeah. something you said that was interesting is going back to, you know, what you said was the easy way. Um, what I would like, you know, people to know is it's not so much the easy way, it was what you're used to, right? Right, what they're the, used to. Right, yep. it's they're why, familiar with it. Yeah, why, you know, when someone's in an abusive relationship. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Thanks quote for correcting me, Josh. It's not, not easy, but yeah. it's familiar. They, yeah. I mean, in a way, it is quote unquote easier though, because it's yeah. it's the fear of change, and that's what leads yeah. me to my next question: is you worked with you counseled prisoners, you know, legally incarcerated, but you've also worked with people that are free. And to me, I would like you to talk about how people with free choice actually live as prisoners, even though they're not technically incarcerated. Uh, well, you mentioned the big one, fear, fear mm-hmm. of change. Um, some people stay in addiction or even in, in horrible, abusive relationships because that's what they know. And, and even though, you know, they, they say they want what most people would say they would want to get out of that. Okay. But if it's all, you know, mm-hmm. it's pretty scary to kind of make those steps. And it, I think that's the bigger thing is, is um, helping somebody understand that, um, yeah, there is fear involved in change, but fear as opposed to faith will keep you captive. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a, it's a tool. It's a, it's just, you know, for lack of a better word, it's a tactic of Satan. He'll use it any, any way he can. Um, and, and, you know, to help people get over that initial fear. I mean, a lot of people come to me, and, you know, I don't know if they think I'm a magic bullet or not, but the bottom line is <laughs> I tell them, you know, unless you're honest with me and God and you're willing to look at some of the stuff that you're, work, you're dealing with here, I, I can't help you. So if you just, you know, you know, and and so I think honesty with themselves and with God, honesty with other people and being willing to look at the fear. And then God, ask God, the Holy Spirit. Uh, scripture, people again, people around you who you, you can trust, um, um, you know, to, to be soundboards and to be encouraging in that. And, and, and a lot of people, you know, they don't have to go it alone. I think, I think, you know, that's what church should be, is people should come along, you know, the least of these and build them up and encourage them rather than, you know, pointing out to them the obvious thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you, got an, you got an alcohol addiction. Yeah, I know that. <laughs> yeah. I want help with my alcohol addiction. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. That's I don't know if that answered your question. Or no, not. no, it does. It does because it's, I think people think freedom of choice is almost an illusion. Like, oh, I'm free because I'm not in prison. But are you really? Yeah. Like, right. I mean, a lot of the time what I see is people only satisfied with the illusion that they have free choice. They're not actually using their free choice. They're not truly satisfied, but they're temporarily satisfied. And so a lot of what I like to harp on is, is actually taking that scary step, quote unquote scary, because it's, yeah, I mean, it's scary, but it's the difference between fear and excitement is, is how you perceive your emotion. It's the same emotion. It's the same. I mean, there's over arousal, which is, you know, a huge adrenaline rush, but a lot of people use that adrenaline rush to complete things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. To, to, yeah. So what we've done, I would say as a society is normalize uh, standing down to fear, normalizing fear. Like it's okay to act this way because it's comfortable. Yeah. And what, what it really is, is it's a psych, it's a psycho psychological, um, Inequity was what I, is how I describe it okay. because um, you're lying to yourself. You're saying, yeah. and a lot of people use, this is what, you know, I know we've had this conversation, but a lot of people use God as their justification for fear. Mm. And so that I think really confuses people. So if there was one thing that you could really just hammer home to, let's say like a nominal Christian or someone that's kind of on the frontier in there, what was something that you would love to tell them? Tell your experience? Well, right. I mean, like you said, we've talked about the, the, when, when the when the Bible talks about fear, it's a reverential fear. It's God, you're awesome. God, you're, you know, um, magnificent and, and and all that. And, and, and like looking at the Lombardi Trophy. 
Okay, so so within that, it okay within that when and I you know this I I I tend to deal with this with people because you know they're afraid of God that He's going to squish them. You know, and if they really get honest about what's going on in life, he's gonna, he obviously hates somebody. He doesn't want to. The bottom line is, is um, God's answer to all of that is in Christ. You know, so so uh, Jesus isn't going to, if you've given your life to Christ, he's not going to go after you to crush you and smash you or punish you because he's already done that in his son. Mm-hmm. So, if you know, if you can look at it from that perspective, um, you know, God is there for you. God loves you. I mean, I don't know how many, how many people I've dealt with over my life where it's like, God will know, oh yeah, God loves you, Pastor John, and God loves so-and-so over there, but he doesn't love me because of X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. And I'm going, that's not what the Bible says. I mean, let's just get real here. It says this, perfect love casts out all fear. Who's perfect love? God. You know this, Josh. Yeah, yeah. But it's it's somehow, you know, people need to get that out of their head if it's even in their head and get it down here where they believe it. Mm-hmm. And well, and so well, uh, I think, you know, because of what you you have dealt with yourself personally and with Youth for Christ and all the counseling you've done throughout the years, I mean, it does really boil down to that. I think getting them to believe it is what's difficult. Right, exactly. Right. It takes time. It takes repetition. Mm -hmm. And it takes dispelling because the world will tell you one thing, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And God's trying to tell you another. So that gets you in a confused state. And, and, you know, it takes what the Bible will call repentance, which stands for renewing of the mind. I don't think a lot of people truly know how to change their brain, how to change their mind. Yeah. And I think that's where a lot of people get frustrated and quit. Mm-hmm. And they'll see, they'll see, you know, the results of a Pastor John or results of a, a Jim Baker, Joel Osteen, you know, Joseph Prince. And they'll be like, well, that person has just been, you right. know, God just loves that person. Yeah, God's superstar or whatever. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, that, that human being, you, all these other people are no different than me and all these other people. It's yeah. just, we know that God loves us unconditionally. Yeah. And that that type of love and forgiveness allows us to overcome this fear, like you just said. Perfectly. Right. Right. It allows you to take risks in yeah. the right direction. Right. It within your passion. Yeah. yeah right. Within your passion. And then once you start doing that, you start yeah. to just lose these things that are, yeah. you know, because I know we've talked about this, but a lot of these people's problems are just results of wrong believing. Yeah. Yeah, succumbing to or other some people what other people have done to them, but okay. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. But you can still control your thoughts and emotions towards yeah, people have been, you know, rejected and hurt by other people. Yeah. Um yeah, but I mean, that's a probably a deeper counseling session one on one. I don't know if we want to get into that today, but right. But uh but well, I mean that is well we'll get in that a little bit because you, this is something you're very good at. Um, on a superficial level, or you can go into this as deep as you want, but just, let's just say like in a marital sense, because you do marital counseling, how do you resolve conflict? You're talking about marital, marital counseling? Well, I mean, to, any relationship, brother to brother, sister to brother. Okay, 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 okay. Um, general form of conflict resolution. Yeah. Um... Okay, in a general sense, I've, I've, I've always believed um, that they actually really do know this. They know the answer. The answer is in there someplace, um, especially if they're a Christian, and they don't necessarily have to be a Christian. But they probably have an idea of what, what is actually wrong, what they may be doing wrong if, in that sense. The problem is, is if it gets to the point where it ends up in my office, they don't see that. All they can see is what's wrong with the other. They know what's wrong with the other person. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, and they know it to the nines. Mm-hmm. Okay. But they're oftentimes they're blind to what's going on in their own world. Um, and um, what I tend to do or what God does in that is, you know, a lot of times I will just pray and ask the Holy Spirit if there's anything that needs to be revealed that he'd reveal it. 
And lo and behold, I mean, it might take a few times. Lo and behold, you know, this will come out. You know, I did this or I said that or whatever. And, you know, I, I can't give you specifics. But right. or, you know, she did this. And when, when she did that, I began to go, oh, she hates me. Or I don't, you know, I don't know. I, I'm being real general. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then, and then allow, you know, either through scripture or just talking and trying to get people to, to be, um, take their roles. Okay. Simply, I, I, I try to help husbands learn how to love their wives. You don't know how many times I've heard this. Well, if you knew what she was like, you couldn't right. love her either. Right. <laughs> okay. Well, okay. I, granted, but why do you think he put that there? Mm-hmm. You're going to run into stuff like this. Right. You know, and the whole submission thing, which is, you know, some people blow it out of proportion. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not this guy where she's under your thumb and she's got to do whatever, you know, that's not right. alone. But can you respect your husband? Mm-hmm. And well, that's, like, that's that's the thing about marriage that I find. If you actually read that passage of the Bible all the way through, you will understand that you're supposed to love your wife as much as you love yourself. Okay, yeah. so if you can't love your wife, you can't, you're not loving yourself. You're not really yourself. loving yourself, man. Right. right, and she is supposed to submit to that, right? right. She's not supposed to, sum- yeah, okay. Yeah, not not some ogre that's got right. to the stove. Right, right. Okay. Um, right, yeah, it's been painted. All good? Yeah, I'm good, man. Yeah, it's been painted stupid ways, but um, leads me into my next question. Are, so for me, or anyone else listening to this, is it true or not that we project our inequities onto other people? And that's what bothers us about them. Absolutely. Yeah. And so that's what I've found very interesting is that the very thing you hate about that person is what you hate about yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I just, yeah. Well, could you go into that a little bit or? Well, well, obviously the term is called projection. So um, what, what, you know, your mom used to say, well, I know she hasn't said it lately, but she would say, she says, I'm just a mirror. I used to hate that. Mm-hmm. You know, but I knew she was right. <laughs> you know, what, what, but you're having a problem with me, John. I'm just the mirror for you. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, <laughs> so, so then I got to look at that. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you and I, you know, you've, you've pointed some things out to me and I haven't always seen it that way lately, I think more so than uh, in the past, but um, yeah, how we treat other, that's what Jesus said. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it says, um, it, it says, love your neighbor as yourself. Well, you know how I can tell how people what they think about themselves. I watch how they treat other people, mm-hmm. and if they treat people harshly, um, they're judgmental, they're bitter, that kind of stuff. I, I gives me a pretty good clue. That's what they're doing to themselves. Mm-hmm. Okay, and um, uh, if if you're accepting, if you're loving, not to say that everything is okay because we're human beings and it's not, but if you're willing to honestly deal with quote sin or some sort of a personality thing in a loving and kind way, that's how you're going to treat other people. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to love them. That, and, and where do you get that from? You start with God. Mm-hmm. You know, if that's the way God is, and that's how he treats you, then you learn how to love yourself in the same way. And then you can love other people. But yeah, you can, you can, you put your stuff on other people. Yeah. yeah. I see it. Deal with yeah. It. I, uh, cause that's something that I learned playing football is sometimes I would go hard like really, really hard on people that I thought were lazy and they were lazy. Yeah. Same same problem. (laughs) Right. Yeah. It used to really bother me. But what it was is if I was that person, I would hate myself is what it was. And a lot of times I would overcompensate in that area. So I'd work even harder, but I would burn out a lot because I didn't have the right inspiration, the right motivation for working hard. I mean, there was good. And then again, there's nothing wrong with working hard. Um, but there is a point where, why are you doing it? Why are you working this hard? Yeah. Why? Well, right? I'll, I'll just be honest with you, Jess. When there's guys around me that are six foot, 240 pounds, and there's not an inch of fat on them, and they can go a 40 in, let's see, uh, uh, lineman, fast lineman, winter linebacker, four eight, four nine, yeah. something like that, five, okay, and they're not doing anything with it? Mm-hmm. I, I'm sorry, I still have a problem with it. Because well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't have that. You know that. I didn't. I never. You know, I never had that, but I had to play with them. Mm-hmm. You know, so that anyway, blah blah blah. But well, yeah, but I, I mean, I get what the point you're making, and you're always going to be tempted. I mean, we're always tempted to, yeah. you know, act out in a certain way, a way that's wrong. 
that's why it takes like we said that repentance that renewing of the mind that changing of the mind to be able to overcome these temptations because you really only have 0.2 seconds of veto power so before you can even get to that 0.2 seconds it's better to just set yourself up for success before that point but um just to continue this conversation a little bit more um I don't know. I guess I'll just ask it in general. Was there is there any advice that you give your younger self now, either your younger self before you're fifteen or after? How how far back do you want to go with this? Well, I mean, what was the first thing that popped in your head? Um. Don't be afraid to be wrong. Mm. or to admit you're wrong because because you don't you don't as much as you think you might know you got life figured out you know mm-hmm. and um I, I think i would have listened more if i would have listened more and went you know what i could be wrong i might have saved myself a lot of grief mm. um um and then don't pigeonhole people I mean, I don't think I did a lot of it, but um, I could write people off. And I, and looking back now, if I'd have probably listened to what these people were trying to tell me at the time, because they could see I was going down the wrong rail, you know, might you know, maybe it wouldn't have taken me so long to figure out what life was about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I mean, at least you figured it out. I mean, at least a little bit. <laughs> Thank God for that. All right. But yeah, it's it's interesting that you would say that because I feel like that's not something you'll hear a lot of people. Well, I mean, maybe a lot of people would say that after they've gone through some things, but you'll probably never hear a 25 year old say, I wish I would have been, you know, more willing to be wrong. Right. And so I think another thing is another thing is don't be afraid to take a risk. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess, you know, I, I took a lot of risks. They were wrong, but um they were dumb, but I, I, I guess what I'm t- t- in the way I'm going to try to talk about that is in being willing to change, mm. you know, you know, don't stay stuck in something that's not good for you. Take a risk. Yeah. Anyway, I think, yeah. well, I think just to piece together what you're saying is, I mean, we all take chances, right? And a lot of times chances will come out n- null or void. Okay. But that doesn't mean you're wrong. Um, cause a lot of times without those mistakes, you could have never gotten to where you're supposed to be. Right. And yeah, uh, willingness to be wrong, a change. The thing about it is, is you're never stagnant. You're, you're only going backwards or forward when it comes to character. Yep. Yep. Right. So for me, what I've realized in my personal life and a lot of it's from you is, is that willingness to be wrong because, if you're willing to be wrong, there's two things that's going to happen. You're either right and it concretes what you believe or you're wrong and you can find a solution to that and it'll could concrete what you believe. So there's, there's no downside to willing to be wrong. You actually only get better from it. And from that, you can take smarter risk, more entrepreneurial risk or better risk within, you know, relationships. And they're not the world's view of risk, I think, is something that's important to establish because the world's view is risk is, you know, rolling the dice, gambling. Right, 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 right. right. As a believer, we take calculated risk. Mm-hmm. So it's much different. Um, sometimes there's a little leap of faith aspect, and I, but it's nothing like sacrificing your, you know, your body or whatever, right. or right. your family right. member, right. right, to get right. ahead of the game. Yeah, I mean, hopefully we're being led by the Holy Spirit, so. Right, right. Oh, and that's that's one question I would like to bring up um, because I get this question a lot. How do you know if it's God or not? Well, okay. Uh, uh, I, I used to call us like the three stars or the four stars. Um, um, in a general sense, God will never con- contradict his word. So he, God will never tell you, um, I want you to go have an affair. You can bet your bottom dollar that's not God, okay? Um, but within that context, I mean, God isn't in, um, I believe God is in every aspect of your life. So 
he may not tell you what color a car to buy, but if you're relating to him, you're praying about it, he may give you some clues. He may lead you to a certain dealership. He may lead you to this or that. And, and so one is the word of God. Two is people you trust. If they're telling you the same thing that you're reading in scripture or, you know, something close to it, you could probably say, hmm, I think I'm on the right track. Then there's a witness in your spirit. You know, if it's off, you know, I, and that's a really good one. If it's really off, it's sour or goofy or strange, I'll usually back off and then say, what's going on here? Am I, am, am I being deceived here? Is something trying to help me from this? Or is God saying, slow down a little bit here, John, until you, until you have a peace? When I have that peace, and let's say I got, I got the word of God, I got people I trust telling me pretty much the same thing, and I have a peace, I'm pretty sure that's the will of God, even though, and this is what I will say, circumstances might look strange. Okay, and sometimes circumstances matter. But there are times when when circumstances aren't lining up, but you know in your heart, you have peace, you have confirmation from people who you trust, and you have the word of God. And again, like I said, it, it isn't going to tell you to you know, go to a certain grocery store and that kind of stuff, okay, or who to hang out with. But if you're doing those things, those things will work themselves out in your life. That's that's having a living relationship with God. So, I, you know, you want to respond to that, but that's, that's kind of what I do, and that's what I tell people. Yeah, no, I, I really like that. I think it's important to know just right off the bat that, I mean, there's a whole spectrum of what people think, you know, God is and all that. But, you know, from our perspective, God is all knowing and that and he's omnipotent and omnipresent. So he, he will always answer. Yeah. Um, but you got to give him time. You got to give him time with your time. Okay. So the more you spend time with the Lord, the more he's going to answer your questions. Right. And that's, right. that's knowing the Bible, like you said earlier. Right. Right. And in knowing his voice too. I mean, having a relationship with him. Yeah, absolutely. And so basically this is what I say, just to make it really simple. If it's anything that's positive, if there's any unction of you looking to make something negative, especially a positive, like if there's something like, let's just say a, a pothole in the road if there's a way you can make that pothole disappear or you know be made better that's absolutely god okay and that, yeah yeah that same example can be applied on any type of scale higher or lower yeah so you know a lot of people want to know like i got a job offer should i stay or go should i move or not well right when you're spending time with god you weigh the options you'll have like you said a, a piece about leaving or an absence of peace of leaving right and that's right. That's a deeper knowing. That's God. Yeah. Um, and then you'll never know what could happen after that. Um, yeah. Maybe there's a better place. Maybe you were meant to leave, just not to that place. Right, right, right. A lot you of may people, not end up where you, where you, you know, maybe what God wanted to do was leave. Okay. And once you left, now there's an adventure out here. You ain't, you're not exactly where you're supposed to be. Right. But you should, you know, yeah. You know, I mean, we could use somebody I know as an example, <laughs> but um, it doesn't mean that all of a sudden here's the answer right in front of you. But God has got to get you moving. He's got to get you. If you were here and God says it's time to leave and you leave, well, you might not have exactly what you're looking for right away. But then that's a part of the relationship. That's an adventure with God. Right. And that what comes back to what we're saying is that willingness to be wrong. And and the crazy thing that I was listening to a sermon and and he's talking about how do you know if it's God or not? Well, he's like, well, you ever asked like a six-year-old? I'll tell you it's God right away. As soon as the thought pops into their head, it's God. And I think yeah. there there is a point to that, you know, like we said, that childlike faith plus spiritual mm -hmm. maturity equals result. There is that, right? Yeah. I mean, if it's like you said, if it's not contradicting your moral compass at all, then how can it not be? I think the problem comes in because there is a spectrum of people out there. A lot of people have a lot of ideas, so they don't know which idea to stick with. Well, with that, I would suggest you just go with one, your biggest unction, and then just go, right? Yeah, God will right. Make if it all it's fun. wrong, you'll figure it out. If it's right, you'll know. And the worst thing you can do, like we said, is stay in neutral because that's actually going in reverse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I... I uh, I'm just going to give you an unsolicited comment here. Um, uh, I think we in the evangelical world have complicated God. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't, I, again, and I'm not saying we're supposed to throw our brains out, whether, you know, that's not what I'm saying. But 
you know, Jesus said, unless you have the faith of a child, you can't see the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. There has to be a certain trust, a certain, you know, Innocence. Um, you know, daddy loves me and, mm -hmm. and, uh, and a, a willingness to, to be like a child. Right. And, and rather than try to rethink through everything, if, if you do that, all the time, you'll just, you won't move. You won't, you'll just right. stay stagnant. Well, if you think about a child that has a, you know, great parenting, yeah. You know, they're the ones that are succeeding in life. Right. Because, right. Right. Because they're not like we said, we talked about it earlier, the people that don't have good parenting right. tend to struggle because they don't have this um, unconditional love aspect. Well, yeah. I mean, you know what? You know what I came out of. So. Right. Yeah, exactly. And thankfully, you came out of it. Um, yeah. So there is a choice. Right. There is a choice. So even if you do have bad parenting, you still mm -hmm. have the ultimate father in heaven yeah, yeah. working through you that would yeah. allow you to you know be the best version of yourself yeah. but I think it's important because I think a lot of people don't even believe that they have a choice they think they're all now genetics is important yeah I, yep. right and this is something that we run into a lot within my generation they think everything is genetics because they read one stupid article by some stupid person <laughs> that doesn't even know what they're talking about sure. right so what they need to understand is that your, your genetics can change. You right. can alter your DNA through your, renew your mind, you, right? Yep. Through your genome. But uh, yeah, some people, you know, but it's an excuse. It's a way out, right? And anybody, I mean, sorry, Jeff. Go no, ahead. you're good. Uh, anybody will use an excuse if you let them. And that's. I mean, you go. I I mean, uh, real simple. From the minute you wake up, you're making choices. Mm -hmm. Do I want to get out of bed? I mean, you know, do I want to put put, put my feet on the ground and start moving? Do I want to get dressed? Or should they, you know, what do I want to do there? Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, as a Christian, somewhere as in there, there's, you know, you communicate with God, but, but the bottom line is you don't have to go, you don't have to get up. Mm -hmm. You know, you can stay in bed all day long. And some people do. Right. Okay? I don't think that's a very good choice. <laughs> but the bottom line is you, God has given you free will. Mm-hmm. And um, you exercise that. Let's, uh, let's, go, let's go down that road because I want to talk about some misconceptions about God. So okay. one of my favorites is how people that don't even know God, right, try to tell me that God doesn't exist. It's like how, okay, first of all, to acknowledge something is to acknowledge Right. Right. That was one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. Okay, but let's just, you know, play along with, okay, so let's just say the biblical version of god isn't real it's not believable well my question to them is how do you know that because most of these people haven't even read the bible right and so the thing is if you really want to and this is the willingness to be wrong part if you really want to know what you believe is true you have to investigate these things i've done many many papers on on uh muslim religion i've talked to you know um, judeo priest okay and all that stuff and it's Really, all it's done is concreted what I've believed. I, and there were some things in there that I needed to know. And yeah. I know you've gone down this path before. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but what do you think? I mean, I know we've kind of gone down this path before. But, I mean, to me, the answer to telling someone that God doesn't exist is forgiveness. Um, I didn't hear you. So, for me, I think the number one solution to telling somebody that believes God doesn't exist is that uh, forgiveness, because it's, it's something that you can't do based off of a human standard, right? Off of human understanding to forgive someone else is to justify their intentions based off of their results. And if their results are within something that you would have done, then you'll forgive them. Okay, but that's not God's idea of forgiveness. God's okay. idea God's idea of forgiveness, well, God, the true forgiveness, but forgiveness right, is, yeah, I'm following you. Yeah, is that he forgives you so you can forgive others. Mm -hmm. He's forgiven you of everything, totally everything. And he's forgiven everyone of everything. Mm -hmm. Now it's your choice to believe in that or not. Yeah. So knowing that allows me to forgive and love, right? Everyone in this world, you know, I may, I may not agree with everything that they do. Mm -hmm. Okay, but I know that the reason they're doing bad things or stupid things is because they don't know how much God loves them because they're based in a system of human understanding. 
So for me, I don't know if you can make that make more sense because I have a hard time explaining that to people. And I know you've done this a lot longer than me. There, <laughs> I don't there, know if I can do any better, but I'll try. Right, is there a better way of, of perceiving that notion? Because like I said, if you don't believe in God, you literally cannot forgive someone else. That's, yeah. I think people think they're forgiving other people, but only on their own understanding. And this is why we see so much chaos within the world. I, I think... Um, uh, I might go about this a little bit longer than you did, but um, it's amazing to me how much a God people don't believe in gets blamed for things that happen in the universe. Yeah, which is another thing I don't want believe, to touch on, but yeah, you can. It, it, they don't yeah. believe in this God, but yet he's whatever. Okay. Mm -hmm. And they can do better. Right. Which I think we're finding out not really. Uh, obviously not. Okay. <laughs> we can't even um, get an election, right? I mean. Right, right. Okay. Okay. So. Um, you know, I think you got to start with, you know, most people have a sense of good and bad. Well, where does that come from? And then if you, you, you go beyond that, you know, in and of yourself, um, how you view yourself, you know, where does that come from? You know, those kinds of things. But then I think the question is, is um, what do you do about the things that are wrong with me and wrong with you? Who, 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 how do I want to say this? The reason, like you were saying, that reason that I can forgive somebody, I'll, you know, if somebody asks me to forgive them for something wrong they did, they did, it's real easy for me to forgive them. It's the person who does something and they could care less. Mm -hmm. You know, what do you do with that? Mm -hmm. Okay. And if you're able to forgive them, where does that come from? Yeah. Okay. And so then here's the, here's the thing is, and then again, you kind of go about this. I always use this lunatic liar or Lord, you know, who, who in the world was Jesus? Mm. Was he crazy? I mean, he really existed. So you got to deal with that. Was he, mm -hmm. was he, was he just nuts? And then everybody else followed him was crazy too. Mm -hmm. And you know, why would you die for a crazy person? Mm -hmm. Okay. You know, he was deluded. Or he was a liar. I mean, he, he just deceived everybody, mm -hmm. you know, with what he said. And he, he flat out, you know, this Josh, I mean, he said he was God. Yeah. I mean, okay, so, okay, then why would people, after he was crucified, like the Apostle Paul, why mm -hmm. would he give his life to somebody that's either crazy or a liar? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's... <laughs> Yeah, That's, and then you come to the point, the fact of it is, is you, if you just look at what Jesus said and not what other people say about Jesus, mm -hmm. you're going to have to come to the conclusion that he really was who he says he was. Mm -hmm. And what did he do? He died for you and me. Right. And I think that's what is so important to emphasize. Um, this is obviously what Paul did, is he always emphasized Christ and his power yeah. in the resurrection. And I think the reason that's so important is because that is the same power that allows us to overcome literally any obstacle, right? No matter what terrible thing that has happened to you in your life or someone that you know is life. Um, because of what Jesus did, we can forgive ourselves and that person, not necessarily, you know, and you know, you've dealt with a lot of these deeper things and I know it's difficult, but this is what the point I want to drive home for people that are listening. Forgiveness, forgiving someone else gives you power back. It gives yes. you your life back. So, yeah, a lot of people think forgiveness. See, this is a human understanding of forgiveness. They think forgiving someone else gives them the right to do it again. Okay. And if that person wants to take it that way, then, then they can. But they're losing in that situation. Right. Okay? You're winning in that situation because you're actually gaining power back. And there's a lot of logical evidence to suggest this is called entanglement. Yeah. Yep. Um, and what you need. And so, I mean, I think Paul and... And obviously Jesus, but everyone knows this about Jesus. But Paul, I think, was so far beyond his time and what he was explaining. Mm -hmm. And I think we're kind of starting to figure out how right he really was mm -hmm. with what he is what he is talking about, mm -hmm. at least from a neuroscience perspective. Yeah. I, um, I, well, go ahead. No, no, no. You go. I, I'm just going to add to that because, um, I mean, in my own life um, and then in the lives of people who I work with, and, and you know this, I tend to work with people who have ladies who have been abused some of them horribly 
And you come to this point where, um, and even in my own life, um, uh, back in the day, I would used to like to hunt people down <laughs> and pay back for whatever I thought they did wrong. And, um, you know, to have that mindset, to have that bitterness and that anger and all of that stuff, you're actually giving that person the control. Mm-hmm. And when you forgive them, and this is how God said it to me, and I you probably heard me tell you this a million times. It said, make room for the vengeance of God. <laughs> and I thought, oh, yeah, I'll let God take care of them. So forgive them. Okay, I'm not going to do something here. And this is when I first became a Christian. I'm going to forgive this person. And here's an amazing thing, Josh. And it's even with these ladies. It's, it's not saying it was okay. It's not saying it was right. Mm-hmm. It's wrong. But I don't want that person controlling me. Mm-hmm. I don't want that person walking into a room. And, and all of a sudden I'm having a good time and then I'm angry and I'm bitter. Mm-hmm. Give them, let God deal with whatever it was and God can do a really good job. Mm-hmm. And then I'm not carrying it anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it, it, it frees you. It really does free you mm-hmm. from that bitterness and anger and even letting somebody control your life and they're not even around you. All you're thinking about is the horrible thing they did to you. Right. Yeah, exactly. And that, and it's hard, but that's where you end up. Well, the reason it's hard is because forgiveness isn't something you can do without God. That's the point right. I'm trying to make. Right. Absolutely. True, true forgiveness, unconditional forgiveness is something you can only do when you know that you're unconditional. Right. right. That's why I see what, you know, what's going on in the world today. The, the biggest thing I see is the absence of true yep. forgiveness. I see yep. superficial, what I call fictional forgiveness, right? Human understanding. Forgive, yep. but I won't forget. Right. That's right. all. It's so right. stupid. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And it's, it's, and, and so like, I know we can go into this conversation, you know, all day and night, but it's like a lot of people, um, like I said, try to use God's wisdom without God. And that's why, you know, people don't really understand this, but Adam and Eve, their curse was the knowledge of good and evil. Mm -hmm. Okay, nothing else. That was the curse. So we all have knowledge, right? As human beings, we all have knowledge of good and evil after Moses gave the law. Okay. But what I find funny now is Moses was given the law like over three, four thousand years ago. And maybe it was it five thousand years ago? Because, it was a long yeah, time ago. Anyway, I'm Moses, not gonna argue with you about it. Moses was given the law during a lawless time. Now we are given the spirit through Christ. Okay, so the law doesn't apply to believers. What I find funny and ironic is, like I said, God was is always before us. Um, we're not, we don't live by the law. We live by the spirit. Well, now I see humans trying to live by the law based off of the law, our, our human understanding of the law, right? So that makes it, it, makes it a lot of gray area. Right. So, I mean, if you're, if you really understand the Bible and, 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 what what it was meant to do you understand that it's kind of it's almost humorous to see republicans and democrats and all these people try to justify the law through human understanding it's like they understand it right they they were doing this they were doing this three thousand years ago literally doing this three thousand years ago history repeats itself and then there came a a man you know jesus who set us free from the law so we can live by the spirit and then you know that's where you get no gray area you're doing it out of love there is no gray area right if you're doing it out of love you won't be doing these terrible awful things right so you can't do it out of love out of the law even if you're trying to not commit it like we've had this conversation you're not trying to commit murder you're not trying to commit adultery well you know you're trying to live by the law that's not going to bring any fruit right right if you right. don't want to you know commit adultery you don't want to commit murder out of love right because you understand how much you're unconditionally loved which results right in, right. right love outside of yourself that's living by the spirit so to me i just find it a little ironic that these people are trying to live by the law which was made by god <laughs> but yeah also, there's a moral code someplace right right yeah. a moral and you can say culture and this is totally true right if no one's ever known the law right they'll live however they want free of it right, right? So right. it can be living in polygamy and not have any you know self-guilt right. about it if they don't believe it's wrong Right. They'll have their own demise in some other way, because we know now it's about the spirit. But I don't know. So I don't know if that would make sense to anyone listening. But let me let me just throw something out here. 
um, you know, and I, you know, I'm talking primarily to Christians. I don't know what your audience is, but, you know, in 1 Corinthians 13, you know, Paul talks about all the gifts and spirit and all that kind of stuff. I, I mean, before that, 11, 12 and whatever, 13, and then in 13, he writes about, I will show you a more excellent way. And here's the interesting thing is that it, it says, if I prophesy, if I give to the poor, if I give my body to be burned or whatever, what with, but not in love, it's what does it say? It doesn't yeah. profit me a thing. It's pointless. Yeah. And, and you know, that uh, uh, about two or three months ago, that just rocked my world. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, I wish, I wish, you know what I'm saying? I wish, I wish more people were prophesying. I wish more people were, you know, being healed and, and all that kind of stuff. But if it's if it's not in love, if you're not doing it in love, it, it doesn't matter. Right. And that's and that's another point to like why God is real. You don't know what love, you don't know what agape love is. Right. People are so infatuated with Eros love, because yeah. you know, the crazy yeah. romantic Hollywood right. story love, which there isn't that type of love. No, most yeah, people don't even is. know there's four to six types of love. Yeah. Right. There's this agape love, which is a spiritual love that you you can't know. Unless the only human way you can know of agape love is through, is through being a parent or by knowing God. Right. And so I think a lot of people, like I said, they don't truly know what forgiveness is. They don't truly know what love is. And then they're trying to say, well, all these problems, if there is a God, why doesn't he fix it? Well, he's literally written, you know, 66 books on how to fix it. Yeah. Right. He works through us and he's yeah, he shown does. the precedent and given us the power to do it. So I think it really is just a lack of understanding, right? Mm -hmm. It's just misconceptions about God. So that's nothing I want to, another thing I want to hit on. Where do all these misconceptions of God come from? <laughs> well, answer that in five minutes. Or minutes. Um, misconceptions of God. Um, I'm going to say ignorance. Oh, 100%. Great answer. Um, and the unwillingness, the unwillingness to do, you know, you know, to do what you did. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm like going, why is he reading the Quran? Why is he whatever doing this? And that? <laughs> like, mm -hmm. scratching my head. Okay, well, let's find out what's real. Right. You, you know, rather than going, nah, there's no God. And, you know, because science, you know, where science came from, it came from the, a God of logic. So therefore, we can know how the universe works. They, I think they forgot that part of it. Now, there, there's some people out there written books saying science proves there is no God. That's mm -hmm. baloney. Science proves there is God. Right. There's two the sides fact to that, that story. There's logic. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. There's a universe that actually works together. You know, that says there's something that makes things work. Mm -hmm. You know, it, okay, anyway. I think it's, I think it's people... Um, I have a friend that says there's ignorance and then there's willful ignorance. Mm. Okay. I think a lot of people would rather be willfully ignorant than to investigate something they say doesn't exist or what somebody else has told them. And even within Christendom, there's a lot of stuff out there. Mm -hmm. um, and um, what I try to do, what I try to tell people is, I can't investigate everything that's out there. Right. But the one thing I can do is study the thing that I know is true. Mm -hmm. And I give the, I'm sure you've heard me say this. I'm pretty sure this is still true. Um, and uh, uh, Amber would know this better than anybody is they don't teach you how to figure out every counterfeit bill in the, in the universe. Mm -hmm. What they do is they teach you what a $1 bill looks like. Right, right. So you can tell. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. This is the genuine. Mm -hmm. If you know what the genuine is, you'll figure out what isn't. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's a good way of thinking about it. Um, for me, when I really dug into it, I went from a, from like a technical perspective because there's this thing in math called proof by contradiction. Okay. So you basically make it equal zero or one, and if it doesn't work, then it's. Yeah, you're not talking my language, but I hear. What right, right, right. Well, anyway. So basically what I did is proof by contradiction. So I said, God does not exist. And I lived my life for like two weeks saying that God does not exist, trying to answer everything that I possibly could. And the solution of God does not exist. All right. And it never, ever equaled out. And never the equation never balanced. And I'm not okay. saying that So that's number, what you're doing. Yeah. There's not, there's not this number system or whatever. There's not this actual mathematical equation. It's the equation that I lived in my two to three week period of time in my life. 
And to me, as okay, God does exist. Okay, so then what? What version, right? What religion or whatever makes it make sense? And what I realized is Christianity, the true religion of Christianity. Uh, Jesus was the only one that came as a human and as a God and sacrificed Himself to bring peace. All right, no other religion preaches that. Every other religion preaches law, right? Do's and don'ts. Okay, if this person invades your territory do you have the right to kill them or not (laughs) you know all that garbage all this garbage that we're still trying to perfect today with human understanding Mm -hmm. okay that's why to me christianity and jesus is the only solution to all of the questions that i've ever had in my life and this is something that's so important because it works on every level it works on the atomic level it works on the astronomical level and just to make it make sense Okay, the more you focus on Jesus and the less on your your deficiencies, the more you will become Christ-like, the more you'll become perfect, right? Right. And that's, and that's, that's neurological, that's physical, that's literally everything true about science. What you focus on is what you will become. You focus on bad things, yep, or if you focus on fear or whatever, that's where you're going to go. And then, and then what, you know, I know, I mean, you kind of have different opinions on political sphere, but not, not too much. But what I think is there's too much feeding off of the government, right? Government solves my problems or someone else solved my problems or yeah. college, just get my degree so I can solve my problems this way. It's like, you're not, not too many, not enough kids are going and pursuing a journey of what's actually, what actually matters, right? Money doesn't matter. It, it does to an extent, but it's, it's a primary reward, but you're not supposed to seek it, right? Let it come to you. It'll find you if you're doing It'll, the right stuff. Exactly. And so what happens a lot is out of fear, we try to seek these primary awards, which, you know, pushes us into these, you know, average, this average lifestyle and these 50 hour a week jobs. And then you get wife and kids. And then the next thing you know, you don't have enough time to discover these questions, these questions yeah. that actually matter. By the time you're in fifth grade, this question should be solved. I don't care if it's public school or private school. Where do you go in the afterlife? That's mm-hmm. important to know. Mm-hmm. That's way more important than, you know, studying physics that's not even doesn't even exist anymore we're still studying physics that doesn't even apply to outside of this you know earth that we live in uh, whatever that's a tangent uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i was trying to follow you there son <laughs> yeah i know i just i just have a problem with and i've had this conversation before on this podcast i think college is a good thing i think at one time it was a great thing i think now it's it's selective i think less than 20 percent of college yeah. age people should go to college yeah i think it's overrated opinion. yeah it's extremely overrated and i have a master's degree so there you go right and the thing is is all it is is proving to people that you you got by in life that's right i got a <laughs> sheepskin yeah exactly <laughs> but what do you what do you do now to stay on top of counseling though because you're still counseling so i know you got yeah i um uh i yeah it, t- it depends on what I run into. Um, um, I'll read things uh, that are pertinent to s- people that I'm dealing with. I've, I've, um, uh, and I, it's not all Christian. That might scare people out there, but um, it's, it's not all Christian. And he, I don't know if you know this, that you probably do, Josh. I, what happens to me is I'll run into something. So it's not like I can read a book and I go, oh, I got that. I tend to learn by experience. So I'll be working with somebody and then all of a sudden something will come up and I go, okay, this is new. This is different. So then I go, okay, where, 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 where's this out there that somebody's dealt with that? And then I began to apply in a practical sense of here's what, how this works. And then I began to incorporate that whenever I'm doing in, in, in counseling. So I try to um, um, I try to keep up with the things that um, that are um, current and out there, but on a real practical sense. I'm just t- trying to get knowledge to get knowledge. I, I honestly, the, you, you know, you know this. I don't have time for that. Okay, it's got to fit into my world in what I'm dealing with. So, um, yeah, um, 
I don't know if that's a clear enough answer for nah, you. That's a good answer. And just to add to your answer, there is a stat out there that says you only retain 5% of the information that you listen to. That's another reason why college is stupid. But you retain 95% of the information that you teach. Yeah. Okay. So that's why you said it without knowing it, but you said it's more applicable for you to teach it because you can retain it better. And yeah. that's that's what you know the studies would suggest is mm -hmm. you really should only keep your you know your speeches if you're trying to actually help these people to a, a very minimum like get the point across and then have them you know teach it or you know some type of something that helps them retain that information right, right. and we both know that the information isn't applicable after you know so so long if you don't use it right and information with technology these days is is ever-changing correct so, the and way alarming rate. Yep. Yeah. So the way that I literally I just got out of college and the way that they solve problems isn't very useful. It's just not. And we learn the same way to solve basically the same problem, you know, okay. the same, the same strategy. Yeah. And then so I'm, like I said, I'm reading a lot of these neurology books and they're like a lot of the reason people fail at solving problems is because they try to use their past experiences to solve right. new problems. Right. Right. You need new strategies for new problems. Right. And the best way to get there is actually to remove yourself from your past. All right. Yeah. So there's, you know, a lot of techniques. Yeah, you're talking down my alley. Right. Exactly. I know you're very experienced in that field. Um, but one thing I like, so we're going to wrap up here shortly, but one thing I want to talk about is I think this is, you know, we talked about ignorance and stuff like this, but I think a lot of people, the reason they don't want to even acknowledge the fact that God exists is because of condemnation. So, what which is ironic right yeah i know it's yeah. ironic to you but which so what about sin do you think and it happens with christians too what about sin do you think keeps people from god i'll just call it the uh what i call it is the unpardonable sin syndrome mm -hmm. um and you know i don't want to give him a lot of credit but you know he lingers around it's not like he hangs on it can't be every place at one time he's not gone but the bible talks about schemes his devil's schemes and you know depending on your childhood experiences that you have you begin to have false beliefs about yourself and or god and they get hardwired you know i, I deal with a lot of that it's trying to un, 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 unhardwire the hardwire um and um uh, um you and I, let's just say that, um, I don't know what, what uh, you and I lied about the same thing. Okay. But somehow if my belief about forgiveness and God and what Christ did for me is skewed, I might believe that God would forgive you for that. Mm -hmm. And I could tell you that. But then if you turn around and, and ask me, did God forgive you for that? I'd go, no. No, because mine's worse. All right. Or I'm worse. I'm so bad. Okay. And, and so what is it? That's condemnation. Mm -hmm. You know, and then you beat your, then it, it, you go down that road, then you just add to it. You think of all the reasons why God wouldn't forgive you or, or how this sin is so beyond what Jesus is capable of forgiving you. But if you think about that, I mean, really think about that. In essence, what you're doing is calling God a liar. Mm. You know, so we, and sometimes Christians will do that to themselves. I'll, I'll, I'll catch you in a lie. And all of a sudden you're a liar the rest of your life. Okay, you lied. Okay, Josh, I forgive you. Let's move on. Mm -hmm. Okay, but some people don't do that. Yeah, it's, well, what it is, and this is like the best, imagery that I can give for a sinner to think that God doesn't want them in church is like somebody that's starving or somebody that's, you know, extremely thirsty. And God's mm -hmm. like, here, I have this water for you. But yeah. that person's like, now he's going to backhand me as soon as. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, I mean, I know, you know, we can, the theology is, you know, we're all saints. We're all, you know, if we're saved, we're saints. But the bottom line is, I hope we are. I don't know. Sometimes we go back and forth with this. Where else is a sinner going to go? I mean, I mean, on the street, maybe somebody might tell them about Jesus, but come on in, you know, right. come on in. And hopefully we're, 
were gracious enough to allow somebody to come in there that doesn't have their act together mm-hmm. and, and they can run into the grace and the forgiveness of God and go, Oh my God, mm-hmm. I don't have to feel this way anymore. Right. Yeah. And that, and that is the, uh, it's very interesting how the brain works because the very thing that makes them a sinner is the same thing that keeps them from being saved. <laughs> okay. So I, I know you probably heard this, but I'm, I'm going to, you know, maybe throw it this direction. You know, when I was first um, getting out of my drug and alcohol and stuff, and I was going to, Hey, they, they do a thing called the fourth and fifth step. And I, I was, I had a legal pad and it was both sides full and I wasn't even a Christian. Then. And I, I went to this pastor and um, he, he, I thought for sure he'd probably throw me out of his office. So he went, he just, he took all the time that we looked over every page and I thought I'm cooked. <laughs> and, um, and then he looked at me and I didn't know Jesus. I mean, he knew about Jesus, but I didn't know Jesus. He said, um, would you like me to ask Jesus to forgive you of these sins? I was like, what? <laughs> really? I'm thinking that'd be a miracle. Mm-hmm. And it, okay, and so it's a real simple prayer. Um, Father, in the name of Jesus, I forgive John of all of these sins. Thank you, Jesus, for forgiving him. Thank you, Jesus, for taking these sins upon yourself at the cross so he could be set free. Mm-hmm. I didn't accept Christ, didn't do a thing. Didn't do a thing. Josh, I walked out, I knew, I knew. I remember walking out of there and the weight came off me. Mm. And that's when I went, I know for a fact God is real. Mm-hmm. There's no way all that garbage can come off of me. Some guy praying over a piece of paper. Right. That was, you, you know what I'm saying? Well, that, and that's, that that's real. Right. And the amazing thing about all that, and again, there's a lot of quantum physics and you know, like I said, entanglement and all this crazy stuff that actually happened at, what Jesus did at the cross. And the reason it was so easy for him to say what he said and to do what he did for you was because of all of the hard things Jesus did at the cross. Exactly. Yeah. He did it. Yeah. Right. And so there was a price paid. Okay. Yeah. But the pre- that's why that's that, like I said earlier, was the reason I know Christianity is actually the real true belief system versus yeah. all the others. And, yeah. and not only is it more factual on every other level, if you use the same measuring stick, for Christianity across anything, atheism, evolution, you know, agnostics, like if you yeah. use the same measuring stick, Christianity always wins. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, so, I, I'm, so I started chasing who is this God? Right. You know, and you know the result. Here I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing that piece of information and testimony. I think uh, that really helped a lot of people. I know it helps me. Um, you got any last things before we go? Um, yeah, it's going to sound a little crazy. Don't put God in a box. Mm. Because if you do, you'll be in the box. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's definitely some good information there. I know, uh, yeah, that definitely coincides with some things. I think that, that God in a box really hinders people from knowing who God truly is. And that truly hinders them from, you know, experiencing the fullness of Christ. And one other thing I want to say, just because somebody who is a Christian says this is how God is, mm. find out for yourself. Yeah, that's huge for sure. Yeah, that's definitely a good piece of information to end on. Thanks for joining the show, Dad. Yeah, enjoy it, Josh.